Welcome to Pearls and Politics Podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Pearls and Politics Podcast. My name is Kahala, and I'm your host. We are so happy to have you with us today as we shift the content of our platform inward. Pearls and Politics Podcast is more than just a platform to bring political information and advocacy, but it is also a platform to be used to polish our pearls in emotional, psychological, and physical ways. Here at Pros and Politics Podcast, we want to be our best selves, which will then help build our families and our communities. Today, we will begin our series on mental health in the African-American community, starting with our men. Joining me today is John Pierre Mitchum, who is a licensed professional counselor and here on Pearls and Politics Podcast for the very first time. Hello, John Pierre. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here for so many reasons. Um, Of course, because of the podcast and because of your knowledge and understanding, but because you are my cousin. Yes. Because you are my cousin. Family. We are family. That's (laughs) right. And so John Pierre is my first cousin. Our moms are sisters. His mom is my wonderful Auntie Laverne, and his dad is my Uncle Clyde, and... um, his beautiful sister, Tabia, um, is my sister cousin. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm so happy to have you here with me Thank today. You. I'm you. so happy. So please tell us about you, John Pierre. Um, yeah, I am. I am originally from, from East St. Louis. Um, uh, my mother uh, attained a, a position over here in St. Louis for the voluntary student transfer program. BIC um, is, is what it's known by. And so that that sort of facilitated our transition over to St. Louis. Um, so we, we lived in South St. Louis City, um, but because she was a part of the program, she enrolled my sister and I in the Ladue School District. So we lived in St. Louis City, uh, but we attended schools in, in the Ladue School District. Um, and I can say that that was, that, that was a uh, transition going from District 189, East St. Louis, predominantly black, uh, to a predominantly white school district in Ladue. Um, but a lot of good experiences. Um, I was uh, fortunate to be blessed with the gift of athleticism. Um, and so during my time there, I excelled uh, in sports. I excelled in basketball. Um, was one of the top five players in the state of Missouri when I graduated. Went on to Chicago, to the University of Illinois, Chicago, to play uh, Division One basketball. and. Um, also earned my degree in psychology. Uh, after graduating from there, I went to play overseas for a year in, in the Eastern European country of Bosnia. Came back um, because I just felt um, compelled to just um, plant my roots here in St. Louis. I knew that I wanted to have a family. I knew that, you know, I had friends and, and former teammates who who would spend their whole careers overseas and never really make it to the NBA. The goal was to make it to the NBA. Um, but I knew that each year, uh, if it didn't pan out, was prolonging uh, 
the, the life that I wanted to build for my family and to just kind of be planted here in the St. Louis area and raise, raise kids. I didn't want to raise kids overseas. So got back planted here and um, got plugged into the community, started working as a, a mental health uh, community support worker, I think is what they called it, for a mental health agency here in St. Louis. And I have to tell you that that experience um, allowed me to see a, a part of St. Louis that most people don't see. Um, just the, the trauma, um, the, the, the poverty. Uh, I had a caseload of 20 to 30 clients with uh, the major disorders of anxiety, depression, but also co-occurring disorders um, with substance abuse. And um, it was just hard to see, hard to see. And I wanted to, after seeing that, I wanted to be a part of a proactive solution to help people before they go through that and get to the point where my clients were. And so that led me into education. Um, started working at a private school here in the city. Um, it was a small private school, and so you wore many hats. I, I call it my educational boot camp, uh, doing everything from before care to uh, shuttle drivers, after care to teaching English, pre-algebra, creative writing, you know. Um, and that sort of allowed me to gain a lot of experience so that when I transitioned to the next position um, in, in uh, Rockwood School District, which is one of the largest school districts in the state, I, I had a lot of good experience. Um, in Rockwood School District, I was part of the department that they created within their district to help support the students who were part of the voluntary student transfer program. So full circle, now I'm working with the kids who are a part of the, who were a part of the same program that I was a part of uh, in the Ladue School District, and it was very rewarding. Uh, but you know, doing that work, obviously, uh, part of that was dealing with issues of race and understanding culture and being culturally competent and helping teachers and principals and uh, faculty and staff to understand the task at hand when you talk about educating um, black and brown. Boys and, boys and girls of color. So that was, that was that work. And in doing that work, I just really felt a, a knack um, for listening deeply, listening to people, um, observing, asking good questions. All of these are a skill set of a counselor. And as you know, my mother is a counselor. And um, I said, well, I might need to just go back to school and just make this official, which is what I, I did. And um, Went back, got my master's, and it was a dual program, uh, both school counseling and, and psychotherapeutic counseling. And um, I, I was kind of a glutton for pain because I did it while uh, I already had, like, a small child. My wife was now two small children. And, no, we had a child during my master's program, and then she was pregnant with the third and working full time. And, it, you know, and we remember, I'm like, man. So I always tell young people now, like, if you think you want to go back to school and, you know, your marriage, try to get it all done before before the kids. But uh, it was a blessing. And um, upon graduating, I was I was um, fortunate to to land a position in, in Parkway School District. I started working there and in the midst of my time there, I opened my private practice. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing both. And then I'm also involved in my neighborhood, president of my neighborhood association. And so just doing a lot of stuff and all with the permission of my wife, of course, <laughs> um, but very, very busy. So I'm just um, a person that's trying to 
you know, utilize my gifts um, for the benefit of, of my community. Um, and, and I can be honest, in, in going back to school, I really wanted to be a blessing to the black community um, because of what I saw during my time uh, as, as a young professional in, in the mental health field. I just, I really felt compelled to, to do that. So that's what I'm doing now. My private practice is located in the South City. I'm actually housed in um, uh, this organization, Casa de Salud, okay. which is off of Shoto and Compton. And, and the mission of that organization um, is to provide health care and mental health care to our uh, foreign-born population, uninsured, underinsured. That's that's me in a, wow. in a nutshell. That is really amazing. <laughs> um, you you make us all so proud. So not just our family, but our community, um, your church, like you just make everyone so proud as, as a husband and as a father, and you really have a heart for people and for their healing. And so we know that right now we are dealing in some extremely unprecedented times, um, times where people are out of work, um, where people our mental health has declined so tremendously um, during the pandemic. And oftentimes the communities that you're speaking of that you serve often have a hard time finding services, paying for services. Um, and then there's the stigma still today in 2022 um, of seeking help. Mm -hmm. And so those are all things that we would um, like to talk about today. Um, so what you touched on it a little bit, what led you to private practice? Because what we do in our day to day is one thing mm -hmm. and, you know, it's structured and, you know, mm -hmm. there's you can be you. But then, you know, a little bit you can't be you. Mm -hmm. But in your private practice, it's exactly what you want it to be and exactly what you make it. So what led you to say, OK, I need a private practice that's mine to be able to help people? Yeah, when I when I went back to school, the, the goal was to be a private practice therapist. I, I just did the dual because it was offered, you know, and uh, the school counseling. Um, I was already in the school system, so I thought, why not? Uh, but I, I think, you know, working with our families and the educational system, working in the mental health system, and just, as I mentioned, seeing the trauma and, and seeing the, um, the dysfunction in, in the family dynamic, it just really... I like to problem solve and I see like this is <laughs> let's get to the root. Right. Um, and you can really do some really powerful things within the counseling setting that, you know, in some ways you can you can do within education, but there are limits to what you can do. And I know we do have organizations who are collaborating with school districts, um, and I think that's very valuable. Um, but so much is contingent on the entire family unit and doing work with the entire family. And, and that to me is most conducive within a, within a private um, setting. And I would just say as well, um, my own experience, you know, I, I, I've had my experiences with um, depression and mental health um, in my family. Personally, I've, mm -hmm. I've had struggles with anxiety. And so I really, that really sort of lit the fire um, under me to, to really try to be a part of the solution um, to help as many people as I can. And so to me, in my mind, um, private practice was it. it. It just so happens that I, I landed the education job first, uh, but I always knew that I would open the private practice. So. Well, that's, um, 
That is truly commendable. So what do you want our listening and viewing audience to know? What do you want us to know about anything Mm -hmm. dealing with mental health, particularly with the African-American man and what we as a people and as a community are dealing with? Like, how does that affect the entire family? How does that affect the community? And then in addition to yourself, what what do they what do we need to do in order to help build stronger, healthier, safer environments for our families and then inevitably for our community? Because we understand it starts with the family. Mm-hmm. So you have to be the change that you want to see. Yeah. And it starts, you hear it in the churches, you hear it in community activism. It starts at home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we discussed bullying earlier in our private conversation. You know, a lot of that starts at home, raising your children mm-hmm. to be kind, to be respectful. Everybody is dealing with something. And so what can Jean-Pierre tell us today that can help our viewers and listeners move forward, particularly from the African-American man's perspective? I think, um, you know, the one one thing I would say is, it, well, it's hard to talk about our mental health and, and our health with without acknowledging our history. Okay. Um, and so when we think about our history and what, you know, folks who look like us have experience in this country, um, we have to understand the historical impact. Um, and, and understanding that you you were able to then ascertain a solution. Um, so when I, when I do workshops uh, with faculty and uh, in the past, you know, workshops on like social justice and, and racial reconciliation, um, when we when we begin to talk about the black experience, we have to acknowledge the impact that it's had on our on our bodies, on our not just our psychology, but our physiology, our biology. Um, and so for me, I start with that um, understanding the science behind how the impact of stress, historical, transgenerational, the impact that it has literally had on our bodies um, and. I think about, honestly, because I love music, I think about the song that uh, one contemporary philosopher, Kendrick Lamar, wrote, um, uh, DNA. And if I may, he talks about, I have loyalty, I have royalty inside my DNA. I have war and peace inside my DNA. I have power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. And he says, I have hustle, though, ambition flow inside my DNA. I have dark... I've got evil, I've got rot inside my DNA. And he says, I got off, I've got troublesome heart inside my DNA. And so obviously Kendrick is talking about his personal experience, his family, in a general sense, the black community. And there are moral um, implications to those lyrics in terms of how humans, we have great capacity for good and we also have great capacity uh, for evil. But I would also say that these lyrics speak to a psychological, a physiological, and a biological um, um, phenomenon in terms of in our bodies, we have great capacity for healing, growth, and development, but we also have great capacity for disease, disease, depending on things that happen in our environment. 
And so when I'm teaching and talking in workshops, we highlight the field of epigenetics, which is essentially how events in your environment can impact your genetic sequence or your genetic expression. Um, we've seen this throughout history. So for example, um, the Irish potato famine that happened um, during that time, it was about a span of seven years, but researchers found that the folks, the grandkids of the folks who went through the Irish potato famine, because of the trauma and the stress of that experience, these grandkids were, were having certain ailments popping up two generations later. Um, as, a, as a direct result of the trauma experience. So you think about that, and you think about the experience of our ancestors. We're not talking about seven years, we're talking about 400 plus years, and then some, right? Um, and so when you think about our social experience of being in the back of the line, or the back of the bus, or dismiss, where do we see ourselves in the front of the line, at the top of the list? I would say, as a black therapist, I understand the experience. Mm -hmm. So that automatically gives me a certain perspective when mm -hmm. I'm working with um, members of the black community, members of our community. Um, and part of the work, as I mentioned before, is to educate on what's, what's happening um, in the body. A lot of times when we, we're talking through different experiences, will often ask, well, where do you feel that in your body? Most people, some people say stomach, back, shoulders, things like that. And a lot of the work is um, working through those experiences in conjunction with the physical to help sort of unlock and un unplug the places where we've, where we've gotten stuck. Um, from a scientific standpoint, you know, and I don't want to bore you because I can nerd out to it, but uh, at the core, we're talking about our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system. You have the somatic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system, which is the part of our nervous system that's involuntary. It controls our pupils. It controls our heart and things like that. Well, when we're under too much stress and chronic stress for a prolonged period of time, it just throws that completely out of whack. Mm -hmm. The autonomic nervous system is comprised of uh, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And I hear that from my chiropractor a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so the sympathetic nervous system is the seat of the fight and flight response, which is like our, our amygdala part of our brain. Um, and so what's happening is we, we are experiencing whether it's through our environment of where we live or through our environment of where we work, our experience as black people causes that part of our brain to be triggered for, for too long. Um, mm -hmm. And so it creates all sort of ailments within our body and it does make us susceptible to certain mental conditions. So just being armed with that information mm -hmm. um, within the counseling room is huge to be able to together work with clients to begin unpacking that and dismantling uh, that effect on our bodies. I would say group counseling as well is um, a, a very useful approach. I've never really um, thought about that yeah. before. Group I've counseling. Obviously thought of one-on-one -on -one therapy. Yeah. Okay. But group counseling? Group counseling. I mean, not, I mean, I would say even organically within our community, we have 
friend groups and sometimes we get together. Um, I know in my life, we, me and my wife, we're part of a marriage group where married couples just kind of get together from time to time, either on Zoom or, um, you know, WhatsApp to just sort of talk about the nuances of marriage, mm -hmm. you know, um, just from a, just an organic conversation. Mm -hmm. and talking through things with people who are either in your same part of life or experiencing similar things can have very much a therapeutic uh, effect. And you don't necessarily have to go up to a therapist to do that, but I think some therapists uh, will also intentionally host groups. Okay. Uh, because that is part of, I would say that's part of our culture too. Um, we have a culture that is collective, communal, um, the concept of Ubuntu is very close to who we are as a people, which is to say, uh, I belong or I exist because I belong, which is different than the Western concept of Descartes, which is I think, therefore I am, right? It's about intellect and thinking. Uh, the African paradigm is about belonging and connection. And so, yes, group therapy is, is essential. Um, there's also therapists out there who are trained in this approach called EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is an um, evidence-based approach for uh, processing trauma and healing from trauma. A lot of uh, veterans from war um, seek out therapists who are trained in that, but I think it's, it's something that I, will be useful for our community as well. And I'm not as familiar with it, but there's also something called um, emotional freedom technique or therapy, which is, uh, it's about acupressure. There are certain pressure points that mm -hmm. you can leverage on your body that can provide immediate release and relief from what you may, might be experiencing. So there are a lot of things out there the key is, is to be educated, to be informed, and to do something, to have a plan. Um, and I, like I said before, I think one of the most radical forms of protest is to arm yourself with information and to be very serious about your health and well-being. Well, like you said, um, having a plan mm -hmm. is very important. Um, anybody who knows me well knows that I'm a planner. You're a planner. <laughs> I'm a planner. And so... In life, I've always said, okay, well, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then I plan and I go do it. Mm -hmm. And so I've had peers. I've had my Auntie Catherine. Mm -hmm. um, I've had my best friend's mom, you know, Janine, tell me, you know, I've watched Kahala from childhood say, this is, I want to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then I've watched you apply, get in, mm -hmm. finish through the hardest of times, right? And then do what I, I want to get married and I want to have kids. And then I saw you. And then with my last one, <laughs> and I'm like, I want a girl. And I have people tease me all the time about like literally <laughs> reaching up and manifesting and right, pulling right. down from having a whole female child because, uh -huh. but that's just something. But we have to learn how to plan mm -hmm. and we have to see an issue mm -hmm. Or even, like you said, therapy to prevent the issue, mm -hmm. you know, before it becomes an ulcer, yeah. before it becomes, you know, Crohn's or, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, a lot of times it manifests in your stomach. I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have a plan beforehand or when you start noticing the signs, yeah. noticing the issues, um, having people around you that care mm -hmm. 
you know, what do we say all the time in, in our community? They ain't got no friends. Mm -hmm. Like, can't nobody tell this person that, you mm -hmm. know, and people start seeing your changes, the changes in, you know, the way you interact, how quickly you get angry now when you were always such a, you know, level-headed yeah. person. There are just so many things that um, are symptoms and being able to come up with a plan. And like you said, I think something that many of our viewers um, will understand is that organic group therapy. Because, of course, I'm thinking group therapy. I've never. Mm -hmm. But how many literally countless times have me and my girlfriends got together for girls night, mm -hmm. girls spa weekend, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we are ranting and raving about everything from them kids mm -hmm. to them baby daddies to, you mm -hmm. know, to whatever yeah. the situation may be. And then you walk out of that space. Yeah feeling so much better because there was somebody who understood there was somebody who yeah. you can talk to and you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's so important, especially like you said, in our community. And that actually spans ethnicity. Yep. Absolutely. Girls trips span age. I mean, mm -hmm. they, you know, just everything. And again, being able to acknowledge and it's okay. It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to seek help. It's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And I think especially with men, they have a hard time. You all have a hard time sometimes not being okay because you are the one in right. your household that's supposed to make it okay right. Right. for Shelly and the boys. That's yeah. on you, mm -hmm. you know? And so we have whatever role we have in our respective households, but again, in our community and in for generations, it was you. Yep. And so being able to say, you need help. You struggled, like you said, with depression or anxiety or whatever the situation may be. We have to get away from the stigmas because yep. that's you not helping to. us. Yep. It's hurting us. It's hurting their prostate. It's, it's hurting their cholesterol, it, it's hurting just everything because I know stress and how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. And you have to finally be like, "What? wait, this is getting to be too much. And I have to be here for these kids. Mm -hmm. And I have to, you know, I have to start pulling back. I have to come up with a plan and then I have to execute And recognizing it. that the signs and the symptoms, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you start to fill in in your stomach or if you're having migraines or if you're, having trouble sleeping, like just, just understand. Then it's no different than, and you mentioned not waiting until it, 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 it becomes critical. You know, we have a lot of people who are very interested in how they look <laughs> on the outside and mm -hmm. gym memberships and, and trainers. And that, that's great. That's I, I, yes, do that because that I, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. But the body does keep score. And so in the same way that we're proactive. Wow, the body does you know, we keep We were just score. talking about losing weight. Um, in the same way that we're pro proactive about, about that, we need to be proactive about our mental health. Um, yes, sometimes that will mean coming to folks like me. But it also means being intentional about having those girl nights out or those trips and think like just being intentional about that. It also means that if you are in a position of authority, decision-making position, allow a position, allow space, take care of your people, allow space for people to take care of themselves, mm -hmm. have mental health days, right? Like right. they shouldn't have to jump through hoops and go through a lot of red tape to, to take care of themselves. So that's a, that's another recommendation I would make as well. 
Okay. So where is your practice? I am in South City, corner of uh, Compton and Shoto, uh, in, in the Casa de Salud uh, building. It's, it's a mental health collaborative at Casa de Salud's founded. Um, and there are a lot of providers. I'm one of them. And yeah, right there, um, actually not too far from here in South St. Louis. And how can you be reached? Uh, folks can reach me through uh, my website, uh, liberatelearn.com, okay. or you can email me at uh, jpmitchum at icloud.com. Okay. So those are the two best ways. Yeah. Okay. So this has been a wonderful. You have given us so much information, and I know me personally, I've learned so much today. Thank you, Pat. Um, and will you come back? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited. Well, <laughs> yes, because this is, again, something that we really want to stress. Yes. We really want our viewers, our listeners, all communities, like we said, it doesn't matter the gender, it doesn't matter the ethnicity. Yeah. We want all men, all women, all children to be healthy both mentally and physically. Um, and so we are so happy that you came today. And thank you so much for coming. And we will see you again really soon. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today here on Pros and Politics Podcast. And we hope to see you again next Friday.